Abundance of love, abundance of grace, down to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you take my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. You plant, if, if you are one of the first people to tell someone about God, then it's like you're the one that planted a seed there, and then many people come along and water it. The Bible says that one plants another waters, but God gives the increase because salvation belongs to the Lord. But listen to this. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. So, some translations say we're his co-workers or his co-laborers. You are God's field, God's building. I want you to know that if you're a Christian, you should be working for the greatest boss of all. You should have a good relationship with the one true boss of everything. And Jesus is God, the scripture says. Now, there are a lot of people that are confused about this. There are many cults out there, and one of the things that uh, makes a church a cult and not a Christian group is when they believe that Jesus Christ was not God come in the flesh. You know, the Bible says that uh, demons can't even say that Jesus is God come in the flesh, and we hold to that plainly, and Jesus made his mission clear in Luke 19.10. He said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save those who are lost. If somebody asks you, what did Jesus come to the earth for? Here it is right there. That's his mission statement. He came to seek and save lost people. Anybody glad God found you? Hallelujah. Jesus came to, to seek and save lost people, and he called us to join in his work. Now think, what is his work? Seeking and saving lost people. How are you doing? See, because if they hire you to answer the phones at, at, a, at a company with, with lots of cubicles and lots of different phones to transfer, inner office transfer, then you need to sit at your desk and work the phone, yeah? You don't need to be going and taking out the trash if that's not your job. You don't need to go outside and look for a lawnmower and cut the grass if that's not your job. You need to do what the boss says your job is. And our boss said we are co-workers with him, and his business is seeking and saving the lost. In Matthew 9, 35, let's get into our text this morning. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. This is very typical of the life of Jesus. Jesus went to a lot of different cities, a lot of towns and villages. He would always go to church and and preach, teach, share the good news, talk to people in the street, tell them about the kingdom of his father, and he healed people everywhere he went. And his fame spread And crowds began to press on him, not really because they wanted to follow him, but they wanted to get something from him. Do you know if we gave away uh, anything of note, if we'd have went out and passed out 200 door hangers in the community this week, said, come to Abundant Life at 1030 and uh, enter to win one of 10 brand new uh, Mercedes Benz. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that would be real funny because uh, we don't have that kind of money to give away one, but people would show up. I've told you all about the silliest one I ever saw in my whole life, um, and, and lots of churches have done it, and I'm, I'm sure it worked because they're still doing it, is to take the door hanger and staple a microwave bag of popcorn to it. And the door hanger says, we're having a popping good time at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Bring this door hanger with you and enter a chance to receive one of 20 free microwaves to pop this popcorn. Do you think people showed up? Oh, buddy, they showed up. They showed up so much there wasn't a seat. And the, the, everybody that was visiting didn't get a microwave. But I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says lure them in. Um, with with popcorn and microwaves. Uh, But the reality is people were flocking to Jesus for what they can get. And people still in our generation today, they look for a church with the best facility. They look for a church with the best location. They look for a church with the best music. They look for a church with their, their favorite preacher, never really giving thought at all to, is God using this place and this group of people to do what he said to do in his book. Everywhere Jesus went, he told people about the kingdom of his father. In verse 36, the Bible says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If there's ever been a confused and helpless group of people on the planet, it's this group of people. It's the people that are alive on planet earth right now. Now, the reality is every generation has had issues. Some, some generations had different issues than others, but every generation needs God's help. Can you say amen? Uh, we, we, we've taken it to a whole new level in 2023. We, we've got to accept the truth of the scripture that without God, people are confused and helpless. Do you believe that? There, there's no way to even answer the primary questions in life. If you talk to any psychologist, any therapist, any counselor, they will tell you the, the primary questions in life are, who am I, where did I come from, where am I going, and why am I here? Well, in, in Christ, we have great answers to all those questions. This generation hasn't really figured it out. We, we've taken confused to a whole new level. There, now see, there's always been cross-dressers. There's always been gay people. You can read about gay people in the Old Testament. There's always, there's, you, you can read in, in Deuteronomy 22, 6, and one, the reason I remember that verse is because it was preached as the, the funniest message I ever heard in my life. Just the whole concept of it had me laughing throughout. It was a, a pastor named Pastor Jack Hiles. He preached a message called America's Greatest Problem. Now, unless you've heard me give you the answer Dr. Howells gave, you couldn't guess this problem in 1,500 tries. You couldn't guess this problem to win $100 billion in a billion tries. Here's here's his text, Deuteronomy 22.6. The man should not wear that which pertaineth to the woman, and the woman should not wear that which pertaineth to the man. And he said America's greatest problem was intersex clothing, women wearing pants. We've come a long way if that was the worst problem they had in the 70s in America. 
If that was the worst problem, the hardest preacher on the planet could come up with for an entire nation of people, it's a good thing he's not upright and breathing in 2023. Oh, we, we've taken this confused and helpless to a whole new level because I told you, there's, there's always been evil, there's always been problems, there's always been a bunch of weird stuff going on, but we're the first and the only generation that invented over 70 new genders. Now, if, you, if you're not up on it, I, I, I wrote them, I, start, I had them written down, I erased it, deleted it. I thought it'd take me too long to read 70 genders and put them on a the screen and try to go through them one at a time. But you can just Google 70 genders, and they'll give you between 72 and 130. Uh, and, and just crazy names. Here, here, here's the wildest, the, the wildest one, uh, people who claim gender fluid. Because what they, what they mean is, I can be a man today, a woman tomorrow. I can be polyamorous, which means I just want to have sex with everybody. I can be asexual, which means I don't want to have sex with anybody. Uh, they, they just think that from moment to moment, day to day, they can just check in and check out like, boop, okay. What? Oh, 11 minutes after the hour, let, 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 let's, let's, all, let's all be uh, non-binary. Normal people don't even know what that means. And the people who claim to be it certainly don't know what it means because nobody would desire to have that level of mental illness. But here we are in 2023 as, as a nation with Supreme Court justices, politicians, and professors who can't tell us what a woman is. Every kid in that nursery can tell you who, who's a woman and who's a man. But get our Supreme Court justices on a microphone, get our politicians on a microphone, get college professors on a microphone, and they're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to misgender you. You know how weird you got to look to get misgendered? <laughs> Honestly. Now, here's what's crazy. I have had, and, and not just once, I have had um, quite a few times someone at a restaurant, because I eat out a lot, um, will take my menu. I always, hand, I always gather all the menus at the table and hand them. And the, I've had the waitress say, thank you, ma'am. Now, I know in my mind she didn't look at me and think, could be a dude, might be a chick, let's play it safe and say ma'am. No, she just, she got, she got her merge wixed. Anybody ever had someone call, call you ma'am or sir when they meant the other thing? All right, good, me and, me and Deacon Scott. So, <laughs> listen, if you don't know what gender you are, you are definitely helpless and confused. And it is time for the blood-bought church to stand up and tell people the truth. It is not helping a generation of confused people by playing along with their insanity. And every generation, you can get off the physician's desk reference right now, the big red book, and you can see that gender confusion is medically called gender dysphoria, and it has always been listed as a mental illness. Always. It's a mental illness, and you don't do someone a favor by playing into their mental illness. If Nancy came in today and she said, uh, I'm a toaster oven. Uh, no, you're not. Well, I feel like a toaster oven. Uh, well, be that as it may. You're a human being. It, if, if she, there, there are people who are schizophrenic that think that they are aliens 
It doesn't do them any good. You got a grandfather that's off his, off his rocker. Yeah, yeah, Gramps, you're an alien. It doesn't do him any good. We're playing along with all this stuff. People are helpless. They are confused. And if you call yourself a Christian, that means that you believe you've got the answer to help people. But the church is in hiding. The church is in hiding because we don't want to offend anybody. We, if I, there, there are about ten different topics that if I jumped on any one of them right now, y'all would all get tight. Everybody in the room would get tight. Uh, y'all, y'all, y'all want me to start with, start with one or skip all of them? Well, I'll start with one. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but if I was going to really start with one, I'd say everybody that, that's got a gay, cross-dressing, transgender, LBGTQ, FPIAC, XYG, ON plus ally community in your family, raise your hand. So now they're raising See? (laughs) Now, if he was sitting next to you, he'd be feeling a little stiff right now. No? He'd just be all... On it. He'd just say it from his chest. (laughs) Well, I was going to do it for the person that was yawning and didn't see me, but you sounded like you really wanted to see it, so I'm going to let it slide. (sighs) Me and my sons watch a lot of stand-up comedy, and I have told them since they were babies, don't heckle the man with the microphone. You mess around and go to a stand-up comedy show, and you heckle that comedian, listen, he's faster on his feet than you are. He's got, he's got a thousand comebacks in his mind already. Uh, but, yeah, I ain't going to do it again. It is not hate to say that a schizophrenic has a mental illness. It is not hate to, to say that someone with leukemia has leukemia. And it's not hate to say someone with gender dysphoria has gender dysphoria. And, and the reality is... Um, The state of Florida has come under a huge attack because of the, uh, here's the hilarity of it. The whole world knows this bill as the don't say gay bill. And nowhere in it did it say gay, the word gay. Nowhere in it did it talk about not saying gay. All it said is that in the state of Florida, we're not going to let kindergarten, first, second, and third grade teachers teach boys and girls that they may not you should have that thing that they've got. Maybe they should have something else. I don't want school teachers talking to my sons about their private parts ever. It's my job. If they ever get old enough to have sex, I'll give them the speech. See, because they're waiting on me to give them the speech. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused. And they were helpless. This generation is definitely helpless and confused, but the answer remains the same. God is still the answer. There's there's a Christian song that came out decades ago, and part of the song said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. And I come today to tell you, Jesus is still the way. He's the only way there ever has been. He's the only way there ever will be.
People say, well, Pastor, what about the people in the Old Testament? Same thing. They got saved by the cross, too. They, the only, they, they got saved by faith in the Messiah. The only difference is they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, and we look back at it. But it, it's at Calvary where everyone's salvation was purchased, and we, we've got the answer. And as God's people, we need to guide them. And as co-workers together with the Lord, we need to do for them what Jesus did. Listen to what he did. He had compassion on them. Say compassion. I've talked about this before, but I really want you to get it. People cannot fix their own problems for the most part. Now, some things you should be able to fix, but for the most part, the bigger problems, people can't fix them or they'd already be fixed. I, I, it's hard for me to believe that people want to walk around as messed up as most people are, and that tells me that they're, they're trying to fix their own problems and they're not getting far with it. And it was the same way in Jesus' time. He had all these people crowding around him, and he had compassion. One, one translation said he felt pity for them because they were hurting, and they, they had no shepherd to guide them. In verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now, that, that statement's easy to see. If you ride around our neighborhood in, in any capacity, if you ride around anywhere in the world, you, you can see it. But it, it doesn't take a theologian or someone who's fluent in Hebrew and Greek to understand. We've got a community that is hurting, that needs help on every side of the four walls of this building. Can you say amen? amen. And we need to get to work with the Lord, and we need to do what God has called us to do. There's never been this many people who are not being led by God in America. Now, I don't believe America's ever been a holy Christian nation. I told you before, I think it was so unjust when people criticized President Obama uh, for saying that America is not a Christian nation because America certainly is not a Christian nation. You just need to get that out of your mind. You, you just need to understand. He, I, and he broke it down so, so correctly. He said America is a nation with Christians in it, with Muslims in it, with Jews in it, with pagans in it, and with non-believers in it. But what we do know about America is in my lifetime, probably even more so in the 60s, but the, the, last, the, the report I looked at was in the 70s. In the 70s, over 85% of everybody in America went to church on Sunday. In the 70s. Uh, many of you were alive in the 70s, and I can tell you this, 85% of people aren't going to church anymore. Neither 75, 65, or 55. In 2022, uh, America dropped under the 50% threshold for people attending church for the first time in our history. So I think it's safe to say that America is heading in the wrong direction spiritually. But that doesn't mean that we get a hall pass on the mission and on being a co-laborer because the mission is to seek and save that which is lost, and we co-labor together with God to make sure that happens. Everywhere you look, you should see hurting people who need help. Everywhere you look, you, you should be compassionate toward the people that you see. See, but we've been confused even as churches and church leaders, pastors and apostles and, and, and saved folk, we've been confused by people's willingness to be triggered. 
Could you imagine sitting in a class in school somewhere and the teacher says something you don't like and you need to go to a safe space and pet a dog for an hour? A goat, they're bringing in goats now. They're saying goats make great triggered uh, safe space pets for people. Listen, we, we've, we've gotten so concerned. Well, we just don't want to offend anybody, preacher. Don't, 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 don't really tell them what's right and wrong. Let them find that. No, we got, we've got to tell people what's right and wrong. It is not hate to tell people that something is wrong. Personally, I believe, and anybody who reads the Bible cannot mistake it, that God's initial plan for mankind, human beings, was one husband and one wife for life. Doesn't always work out that way. Uh, people get divorced. Pe- people die. Uh, uh, people, divorce used to be a big topic in the church, and the church used to preach against divorce. The church stopped preaching against divorce, by and large, and, get, and guess what rose? Divorce. It's not hateful. To tell someone God doesn't want you to get divorced, it's not hateful. To tell someone God doesn't want you to cheat on your spouse, it's not hateful. To tell someone God wants you to honor your mother and father, it's not hateful. To tell someone you're, you're a boy if they're a boy or you're a girl if you're a girl. We've gotten so soft about telling the truth now, we just walk around on eggshells. Verse 38 Jesus says, So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So here's the answer. Pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more laborers. He told us what to do, and he told us how to do it. He said, pray to the, to the Lord and ask him to send more workers into his field. See, if they're workers coming into God's field, then they're co-workers with God. And since we're co-workers with God, they're co-workers with us as well. So we need to be praying to the one who makes the difference, and we need to be praying specifically that he would send more workers into his field. As I look around in, in my drive into church, it's hard not to see things that hurt your heart. It's hard. You, you should be moved to compassion with, with just the level of people. I don't know where she is this month, but they got some some woman traveling around with three kids. I don't know if y'all have seen this woman with three kids this small and smaller and, and holding up a sign. I'm thinking, man, we're putting a hard twist on it now. You start bringing out three-year-olds. If you ever go to the Bahamas, if you ever go uh, to Jamaica, if you ever go to certain ports in Mexico, you will see a group of people who have mastered begging. Because you don't know begging I mean, somebody comes up to you with a cigarette in their mouth, uh, look, looking high and drunk, asking you for money. It's, it's, it's not difficult to turn that person down most of the time. You get up into Mexico, Bahamas somewhere, and they start sending two-year-olds with dirty faces and no shoes and ratty clothing on. It looked like they hadn't had a bath in months and, and, and skinny. And, Help me, sir, please, please. Uh, that's a whole new level. See, this this dude on the corner here, he tells everybody he's making $300 a day out there. I don't know who's dumb enough to give him $300. Able-bodied, always got a pack of smokes on him, uh, always got a new sign on him. Um, That's one level. But, man, that woman out there with three small kids, if he's getting $300 a day and, and look the way he looks, I don't even imagine what this woman is 
getting. There is so much problems in the earth today. We ought to see things that move us to compassion constantly. We got a great harvest opportunity, but we need for God to send more laborers. What should we do to start? There's got to be a place to start. There's got to be something we can do to make a difference. Say difference. God wants you to make a difference. You ought to make a difference in your family. You, you ought to have a, a testimony of your faith being replicated in your family. When I got saved in my bedroom, just me, a little red Bible, and the Holy Spirit, um, God saved me. I went to church at Hillcrest Baptist Church that Sunday morning, made a public profession of faith on the corner of Plymouth and LaBelle off Cassett Avenue, went back that Monday night, met Connie and a bunch of friends that night, and I, st- I, I started my journey with Christ on July 15, 1981. Well, because I saw hurting people that needed help and I was sharing the good news with them, not long after that, my sister was born again. And then me and her co-labored on mom. And mom caved in and started listening because she wasn't even listening to begin with. She was so upset and offended. So when I tell you I know what it's like to share your faith with unsaved family members, my mom used to cuss us out. We'd try to tell her about Jesus. Who the blah, 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 blah. I took, I'm the one that took you to church. And we look at each other and we're like, you mean sent us to church? There's a difference. Uh, I, like what the, I like what the one man said. He, he grew up with a drug problem. His mama drug him to church every week. That's the only drug problem you need to be worried about. But that is the life of the believer. You get saved, and then you can have compassion on other people, and you can co-labor in the Lord's business, which is to seek and to save that which is lost. So uh, where do we start? Number one, we pray that God would send laborers. I don't know if you did it today, yesterday, last week, but we are commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to pray that God would send laborers into this place so that his work can be done. Now, the interesting thing about these laborers, I I believe many of them are here, and I believe some are still to come. Second thing we can do is get involved. And and this is a natural progression because here's the reality. If you start praying legit, God, please send people to abundant life to help bring in the harvest. Guess who the first person God's going to enlist is? You. And that's why a lot of people are like, I'm not going to pray for that. God might want me to get involved. Listen, if you're saved, every member of the body of Christ is a minister. You might not be a vocational pastor, but you're a minister. Ministry means meeting needs. God put you where you are in life you have a sphere of influence that nobody else in this room or on this planet has you're in people's lives a different way you know people i don't know i know people that you don't know and we are called to do ministry everywhere you go so don't answer this question out loud i just want you to think about it what are you doing to advance god's kingdom are you sharing your faith are you living your faith are you letting your light shine what are you doing to advance God's kingdom? Let me, let me give you five things real quick and we get out of here. Uh, and, and these are five short things. Uh, somebody's chest got tight when I said five. No, number one, get saved for real. Get saved 
for real. Now, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I walked out, prayed prayers, and got baptized more than once. But I've only been saved once. Well, what about those other times? It was fire insurance. It was emotionalism. It was just, you know, the, the organ was grinding and the preacher was begging. And, you know, I, I wasn't wholehearted. God said you'll only find him when you seek for him with your whole heart. I finally got saved for real. I'd, I'd been on church outings. I was active in the RAs program, Royal Ambassadors for Christ. I was active in the youth program. I, I was following the lead of, of my sister, dragging me down a pathway to hell as she was the, 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 the president of our youth group. Um, Y'all think I'm playing. Dina was, was in charge of everything growing up. Head cheerleader, head flag girl, National Honor Society. I, I was just a little kid walking around in her shadow thinking, well, I'm going to do whatever she did. She walked the aisle, I walked the aisle. And neither one of us got saved. Walking in aisle will not get you saved if you don't come desperate for the Lord. If you, uh, so, Some of you uh, do altar ministry. I thank God we're going to enlist some more people to do some altar ministry uh, over the next few weeks. But I, I've talked to our altar workers, and it's not a requirement, but how many of y'all know it is an encouragement if you're trying to do altar ministry and someone comes and says that they want to get saved and they're crying and snotting and slobbing all over the place. I like what one preacher said. You can't come to Jesus pretty. You got to come <laughs> broken and ugly. You, you, you come down all cool and suave. It's thinking about maybe giving my soul to the big man upstairs, you know? I don't. And neither does he, because you can't, you can't be coy with God like that. You can't be casual with God like that. But we need to get saved for real. I've told you many times the scariest passage of Scripture to me is in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 22. He's talking about the judgment day, and Jesus said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? That's the catch-all, because everybody in this room uh, would not say that they prophesied in his name. Everybody in this room would not say that they have cast out devils in his name, but everybody who's saved and been saved for any length of time would at least like to believe that they've done wonderful works for him. This is not people outside the church. This is not people who aren't actively serving in the church. These are, these are preachers, miracle workers. These are good deed doers. But in verse 23, Jesus said, And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There are going to be people that get to the judgment day that have been in church every time the doors were open or skipped in and skipped out when it fit their fancy, and they are going to be shocked. I preached a message on this passage called Don't Be Shocked on Judgment Day. There are going to be millions and millions of preachers, pastors, evangelists, all ton, choir leaders, worship leaders, praise and worship team, choir, people of all different types of servitude are going to find out that just because you showed up at church don't mean you really had a real relationship with God. So I'll tell you what, we, what you can do first and foremost. Again, get saved for real. If you're in this place and you're not 100% sure that you're sure, that you know that you're sure, that if you die today, heaven is your home forever, then you need to make certain of that today. You don't need to keep playing games with God, pretending that you're saved, thinking everything's going to be all right. Because here's the reality. 
I don't know how many it is, seven, eight, nine, however many people. Y'all see that thing in Dallas yesterday? Somebody just went into Dallas and just started shooting up a shopping mall. Just random. A guy last week just went out and killed five women, uh, and they still don't know why. A guy four days ago went up and killed two people, just, just wanted to shoot somebody, walked up, shot a man in the back of the head, walked across the street, shot another man in the back of the head. They had no idea that that would be their last day on earth. Well, Pastor, you're scaring me. What should I do? What did I say? Get saved for real. Get saved for real. Well, who are you to say my salvation's not real? I, I'm not saying it at all. Judgment belongs to the Lord, and he will judge everyone. And you Because so you, you can fool me, but you can't fool the Lord. Second thing, read your Bible every day. It's so funny. I was talking to Jake earlier this week, and he wanted to know what I preached about the Sunday before, and I was sharing with it. He said, he said so what would you do, Dad? Tell them to read their Bible every day? I said, you know, I'm going to put that in there, son. you got to read the Bible every day. You breathe air every day. You use the bathroom every day. You brush your teeth every day. You've got to read your Bible every day. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word is food for you spiritually. And if you're not feeding on the word of God, you're going to be malnourished. You're going to be sick. You can't co-labor with God if, if, if you're malnourished spiritually. You're going, here's the problem, and, and we've seen it dozens of times. Uh, Dina can attest to it. People start working in children's church, and they never sit in on the preaching, and they don't get the free tapes we give them to listen to the message. They fade out, and they get spiritually weak. Is that right or wrong? They, 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 they stop availing themselves to the word and the word to themselves and they get backslidden we've got to feast on god's word every day he said we got to co-labor with him his ministry is seeking and saving that which is lost his ministry is having compassion on people and helping people you got to be real healthy to make that cut you, you, you got to be strong in your own. The problem is, and this is what happens to people when they start serving and missing church, is that they, they, they get weak because they're not refilling their tank spiritually. Uh, a friend of mine, Michael Combs, wrote a song. He said, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. And I've been telling people for years, the only thing that you ought to give away to people spiritually is what's in your saucer. What's in that cup is for you. And when, when, when your cup's not overflowing anymore and you're drinking down your cup and you're trying to share your cup on, on the job with your family, with your friends, you're all going to run out of gas and you've got to refill by reading your Bible every day. If Jake was here, he could tell you what my next point going to be. Number three, pray every day. Well, Pastor, that just sounds like a lot of work. You know, the root word of disciple, the root word of uh, discipline is disciple. We, we, we've got, we got to learn how to be disciplined. We've got to learn how to put God first. Most Christians say they put God first, but here's the sad reality. They don't even pray every day. And I'm not talking about multitasking prayer. Now, you can pray driving down the road in your car with your radio playing in the background, but that ain't the best way. 
You, 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 can, you can pray while, while texting someone, but that's not the best way. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about that 30 seconds of prayer or even three minutes of prayer. I'm talking about really talking to God like you believe he's real and you believe he listens to you. In Luke 21, 36, the Bible says, Watch ye therefore and pray, what? Always. Luke 18, 1 says, Men ought to always pray and not to faint. Colossians 4, 2 says, Continue in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to just take inventory real quick, personal inventory. Have you been having good prayer time with God this week, this month, this year? We're in the fifth month of this year. Do y'all know 2023 is going to be over next time you blow your nose? It's going to go that quick. And if you don't start doing these things on the daily, then you are not going to be an effective co-laborer with the Lord. Fourth thing you can do is come to church. In Psalm 122.1, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I told you all this story, but it's precious to me. Uh, we didn't have cell phones. If, if you're my, anywhere near my age, you grew up in a world without cell phones. You had a kitchen phone. You might have had a, uh, you know, a, your mom might have a phone in her bedroom, whatever. But we didn't grow up with cell phones. We didn't grow up with pagers until we became adults. Um, and so if you wanted to get a hold of somebody, you had to call them on. Are you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a word out there. It's a compound word. I'm going to throw a compound word out there that young people will, will have to look up or ask somebody that's old. You had to call them on a landline. I hope it's a staged video that went viral. Some, some company uh, had, a, had a bunch of teenagers come in and look at a phone, and less than 3% of them could dial a seven-digit number on a rotary phone. Now, that's even older than landline. If you had a landline rotor, they couldn't figure it out. They're putting the thing up here, twisting it around. They're hitting it, with, with hitting the, the wheel. I'm thinking, a monkey could put his finger in there and turn it. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. But pe- people, they, 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 we didn't have all that growing up. We had landlines, and it, w- it used to be so awesome. My sister would call me either at home or on my job. And she's like, are you fired up? Are you ready? It's Wednesday. We got church tonight. I can't wait. Can't wait to clock out so we can go to church. And that's how saved people ought to feel. That, that, that's how the psalmist felt. I was glad when they said, oh, man, if we could just get the videotape with some audio mixed in to everybody's morning this morning and hear their stories. There's great videos that, you know, church groups have put together that show the average family coming to church, cussing, screaming, hollering, bothering each other. He touched me. He Shut up. He took me. I'll kill all y'all. And, and then as soon as they get to church. Now, now y'all smile and act like y'all love Jesus. Good morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about legitimately glad to be able to be in the house of the Lord. See, if church is just a place you show up for your, your own reasons, then you might not be super glad to be here. But if you show up to church because you know the God 
who created the world love you so much that he sent his son to die for you and you've committed your life to live for him, being in church is going to seem natural to you. Any, anything else is not going to fit in. Psalm 27.4 says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. We're going to get an opportunity to do just that tonight. Now, I don't know if, if you can say it. I, I, I mean it. Uh, I say it from my chest. Uh, I want to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I don't want to be one of these people that used to go to church. I don't want to be one of these people that used to do ministry. I don't want to be one of these people that was in church back in the day. That's why I say people, Ken and Diane's age, Deacon Ken and Diane, that age and older are role models to me because they, they, they've already proven it. They, they, they have lived for God in, into their 70s, and, and God willing, I believe they'll be living for God in their 80s. And that ought to be your heart's desire because anybody can start something, but it takes a champion to finish something. And, and you, you, need to, you need to love being in the house. Listen, if you don't love coming to church, you need to get your attitude right. Well, maybe I'd love a different church. No, you wouldn't. You just wouldn't. You didn't like the one you came from to stay at it. How'd that work out for you? I mean, and, and some of y'all cave into the wildest stuff. Dina and I and others have been around for a long time. We've seen it and seen it and seen it and seen it. The, the, the non-going spouse will tell the going spouse to do what, Dina? All, all the time. Pick a different church. I'll go anywhere with you but abundant life. Well, that's a compliment, by the way. Uh, but when, 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 the, when the, usually the wife caves in, what ends up happening to that family? They just stop going all together. I, I could call out people's names that many of y'all know and remember. Used to be actively involved here. They, they decided, well, we want to try another church. Well, guess what you're going to find out at another church. The, if the preacher's preaching the Bible, he's going to say some things you don't like. Sometimes you're going to say amen. Sometimes you need to say ouch. Because the truth's the truth anyhow. In Psalm 26, 8, the psalmist said, I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. God has promised a unique, tangible, special corporate anointing on his people when we gather together in his name. You should sense the presence of God when you come into this place. If you don't, it's not this place's fault. It, 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 it's not the leadership's fault. It's not the people around you's fault. You, God said if you seek, you will find. And then he'll show himself to all who search for him with their whole heart. Not only come to church, but last thing, invite people to church. Invite slash bring people to church. I've talked to you about the difference between inviting and bringing. But listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 9, 36. He felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Well, we know where they need to go to help, to get help. They need to go to God. Well, where's the one place God has promised to show up every Sunday? In the corporate worship service. 
The Spirit of God is always present when we gather in his name for your salvation, for your healing, for your deliverance, for your discipleship, for your learning, for your advancement in the kingdom. And if you've forgotten it, I want to tell you this. People need what the church has to offer. People today see church as not important, not vital. I, I just saw a survey last month or two where they asked a bunch of, it wasn't just one year of college, it was just random college kids. Um, do you agree to these statements? Religion is important to me. A strong work ethic is important to me. And being patriotic is important to me. Less than five people could say amen to those three things. And those are the three things that built America. Now our kids in college don't, don't believe in religion, hard work, or patriotism. And, and it's just wild. Uh, they, they really ought to start holding people accountable. When, when all those people were, were hating on President Obama, saying he's not my president, they should have kicked them all out of the country. Not one person said amen. When, when, it, when everybody said, if Donald Trump wins, I'm leaving, they should have, made, they should have sent them all. You know, pe people saying, uh, America is a stolen country on stolen land built on the back of slaves. Uh, extra, extra, read all about it. Do you know how every village, you know how some villages got bigger and some villages got smaller over the course of history in Africa? It's not called stolen land. It's called conquered land. All throughout history, every race, every group of people has conquered and been conquered, enslaved and been enslaved. But it's, it's popular now on, for young people, and especially on social media, to trash America. I'm going to tell you something. There, there's still a glimmer of spirituality in the lives of some people in America. And Jesus is the answer for every problem that people have. When I say people need what the church has to offer, I'm not saying they need to come and listen to me lecture. I'm not saying they need to come and, and you know, be a member of this church and help us watch the nursery. I'm saying that they need a relationship with the true and living God. Can you find that outside the church? You sure can. Can you maintain that outside the church? Absolutely not. Can you be a real Christian and not go to church? Absolutely not. Christian means like Christ. You might be saved and out of church for some reason, but you can't call yourself Christian because Christian means like Christ, and Jesus went to church all the time. And you need to invite people and bring people to church because God shows up in church, and salvation is the answer. Last verse I'm going to give you. We're going to get out of here. Luke 14, 23 says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled go out into the highways and hedges and compel them i've told you before when preaching this verse that that that, that indicates by any means necessary if you got to offer them lunch if you got to pick them up you need to start inviting people to church i heard a statistic this week that said 70 percent of everybody that's in church is invited is there because somebody invited them I don't know how you found abundant life. Some of y'all found abundant life on your own. Some of y'all were invited to come here. Um, 
Lord, have you invited anybody? I heard a preacher say something one time. It was hard, and it, 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 it stuck a lot of people in their chest. But he asked a simple question. Will there be anybody in heaven because of your testimony? Will there be one person in heaven because of the love that you shared with them about God? Oh, I hope you can say yes. I'm going to tell you the easiest way to make sure. Start inviting people to come to church. Start inviting people to come to church where they can hear the truth of God's word. We, we are never going to be, uh, we're never going to have the best parking lot. We're never going to have the best building. We're never going to have the best sound equipment, preacher or uh, worship team. But I tell you what we are going to do. We're going to serve the one true and living God, and we're going to magnify him, exalt him, praise him, worship him, teach the truth about God's word, and let who comes come. But we are on a co-mission with Christ. We are co-laborers with Christ. We have an obligation to the God who saved us to do what he tells us to do. And he said, go out and compel people to come to church. So many times when I read that verse, I cry. God has just burdened me with, with, with that verse that we started with so many times. And I see it. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Do you think there are more people inside this room right now than there are inside this neighborhood to my right? There's not. There's more people out there than there are in here. Now, are they going to wake up and lead themselves to Christ this week? No, they are not. The Bible says if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. The Bible says how can they know if somebody doesn't tell them? We got to be telling them. So I came to be short and sweet this morning. Go out and tell somebody about somebody who will save anybody if they'll just call on it. You got friends. You got family members. You meet people in the community. You ought to have a stack of, of, of these these right here, uh, anybody that wants this whole stack can have it, um, and the ones on the ground. Uh, go out and tell people. Come to church. You don't know if you're saving their life. They, you don't know what they're contemplating. They might be on the edge of a breakdown. It, it's staggering. I don't even believe that a number could be put on it because a lot of people uh, don't, don't sound an alarm for help. But the number of people who are barely holding on to their sanity by a thread is huge. Mental illness is a bigger problem in America than it's ever been. Sadness, depression, anxiety, all, all these issues. And let me tell you something. Medication can help, but it's not the end-all, be-all. We need to introduce people to the true and living God. Because I can promise you what Jesus is doing today. He's looking at this world, and he's having compassion on it. He's, he's looking at hurting people, and he, 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 he wants them to come to him. What is keeping you from coming to the Lord, from getting saved for real, from getting serious about reading your Bible and praying, from, from being in church and serving God? See, the cool thing about church is I can't play the keyboard, but Victor can I can't play the drums a lot, but she can. I, I mean, everybody has a different gift, a different talent, a way that they can use their life 
to benefit the co-labor that we're in with God. So what are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? What are, what are you doing? Man, I, 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 I always feel extra safe when Hugo's in the room. Hugo's the head of our security ministry. And how could you find somebody more qualified than Hugo Ramos? What, how, many, how many years, Hugo? 30? 35 years, an entire lifetime in law enforcement. Security-minded, knows what to look for, knows what to do. Nobody has his background. He came, got saved, found something that he could do that was in his wheelhouse, and he started doing it. We, we, uh, we got John the Baptist over here. Now, he, he, he could be the voice of one crying in the wilderness preaching to people, but God's given him a heart and a love for singing and, 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 a, and a voice to sing. And, and he came to the church and is using his gifts and talents for the Lord. He's advancing the kingdom of God by being involved. What are you doing in this ministry that we are co-ministering with God on? Now, the harvest is huge. But I had to deal with this this week. In my own life, and even as I thought about other people, the harvest is huge. But too many times, compassion is small. Too many times. It's not uncompassionate to tell people the truth. It's actually not being compassionate to lie to them. See, if you know the building is on fire and you don't tell anybody because you don't want to offend anybody and you don't want to make anybody get up and leave before the service is over, we're going to be mad at you. Hell is real. The Bible says hell enlarges itself daily because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I hope that beyond everything I've said today, you will get saved for real. God wants to save you. We're not going to have an invitation this morning, though. We're not going to have a public time of altar ministry this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, pray a prayer with me, come down here, and uh, any of that stuff. But I tell you what, if you want to be saved, you can ask God right where you are to save you. And everybody in here that claims to be saved, I want you to think about your compassion. I want you to think about, have you been compassionate? And I'm going to tell you the truth. Sometimes life can, and I know it's not just me, but life can wear us down and make us less compassionate than we should be. Man, I never even knew uh, until 2012 when I broke my back for the first time. Now I broke my back twice and I broke my neck twice uh, over the last 11 years and been dealing with chronic back and neck pain for over a decade. I never knew how tough chronic pain was on people. I'm going to tell you this for sure. If you have any measure of chronic pain and you're in church today, I salute you because you are are a warrior. Because here's the reality, and I I have to deal with this, and, and I ask you to pray for me. I am supposed to be kind, a good listener, and helpful when people come into my office. Uh, that need to talk to the preacher. Uh, how many of y'all know sometimes the day's just been so, if you got chronic pain, it's not always easy to be your most friendly. 
God did a work in me, though, because right after Gail died, it seemed like everybody that came to me for counseling was breaking down in front of me, crying, crying, crying. And I was doing a lot of counseling back then, almost daily. And I, I had someone come to me. They're not in our church anymore. Uh, but they were just having a, having a breakdown, having a serious breakdown. Their grandmother had died in her 90s. And they were sobbing at my desk telling me that they don't know how they're going to get up uh, in the morning and face a world without their grandmother on this planet. And I'm sitting there thinking, you do know my 36-year-old wife died last week, yeah? And, 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 and Granny was in her 90s, and, and uh, you, you do know she left me with a 2-year-old and a 4-year-old and a church full of people. But, I, of course, I didn't say that. And after that person left and I prayed about it, God welled up a compassion in me for them by letting me know it's never a good time to lose somebody you care about. My, my mother is 82 years old. She turned 82, uh, 81, 81 years old. She turned 81 on March 5th. My mom's not going to be around forever. You might have lost people already. It's, it's not going to be, if my mom lives to be 95, 95 ain't going to be a good time to lose her. What about 96? You'd be ready at 96, Dina, just kick her on out? It's never a good time to lose somebody that you love, whether they're two or 102. And we need to become more compassionate. Oh, it's, it, 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 it's easy to get jaded by the world. See, for all, all the talk of privilege in America today, uh, me and Dina didn't have any. D Dina went to work when she was 15 years old, and I wasn't old enough to go to work, and I didn't have any money, and our parents weren't giving us any money. So she, started, she gave me an allowance out of her paycheck when she got her first job consistently all year. We, we didn't have much. Well, y'all y'all ought, ought to let Dina preach sometime. Hey, I, I know she doesn't want to, but I, I'd let you preach on a Sunday morning if you tell a story about go, going, to, uh, going to school in that outfit. Uh, tore you up, didn't it? Tough childhood. So we know what it's like to go to school with embarrassing clothes on, don't we? Hand-me-downs. We used to get our tennis shoes out of a barrel at Zayers on, on Normandy Boulevard. Two pair for five dollars. Just reach in and grab the first pair that fits you and put them on your feet. We didn't have a lot of help coming up, but we worked hard and we lived below our means and we were able to come up some. So for me, somebody who was never handed anything in my life financially and started multiple business and made millions and millions of dollars. I can fall into the trap of low compassion when I see five beggars opening up a bag because I see them all the time. They'll, they'll be at the off-ramp at 103rd and 295 opening up a bag of food and passing around drinks and lighting each other's cigarettes, and, and then, that, then that hard side of me comes out. Look at these bums. I'm out here killing myself working three jobs, being a single parent, 
And, and they, they're just out here getting money hand over fist. I ought, I ought to just stop and, and ask them for some money. But that's not the right way to be. Because there's a reality. Everybody's problems are real to them. And you don't know what somebody else is going through. You, you, you don't know the effect that loss can have on people. You don't know the effect that mental illness can have on people. You don't know the effect that the daily grind can have on people. And listen, it's going to get worse. You say, well, that's why nobody comes, Pastor, because you're preaching at gloom and doom. No, I'm preaching the truth. The Bible says these problems are just the beginning of sorrows. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be all types of wild. It is going to get more and more difficult. But here's the reality. If you're saved, God has called you to be a minister. God has called you to co-labor with him and go out and seek and save that which is lost. God has called you to go out and invite people to come to church where they can hear the truth and be changed by the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. We all need help. I don't know what your area of help is, but I promise if I could wave a magic wand over you right now and fix all your problems, I would do it. But that's not what God gave us. He didn't give us a magic wand. He gave us faith. Faith's a gift from God. If you believe in God, God gave you the faith to believe in Him. And we need to start living by faith and not by emotion, living by faith and not by physical pain, living by faith and not intellect, living by faith and and not like the rest of the world lives. Amy Grant sang a song in the 80s, and she asked God to let her see things through her father's eyes. If we saw people the way God sees people, we would love the hurting more. We would have greater compassion and would be more helpful. Your life can make a difference. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise. I've heard so many people say, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. You can do what God put you on this planet to do. You can get saved for real, and you can get busy advancing God's kingdom. we got a big harvest out there, Abundant Life. got a lot of people out there that need the Lord, and we got to get serious about being serious about advancing God's kingdom. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your spirit. God, I pray now in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would save every person in this room that's unsaved. Right now, God, I pray that you'd quicken their spirit and draw them to yourself. God, I pray for every true believer in this room, Lord, that you would create in us a sense of urgency where we would be more urgent about advancing your kingdom, about showing compassion and helping the hurting, about sharing the good news everywhere we go. Lord, I pray you'd raise up soul winners in this place. God, I pray you'd raise up bold warriors in this place that would speak for you everywhere they go. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Help us, God, to live every second of every day for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, 
please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.